Hi and welcome to Keeping Up The Pace. I'm your host Stephen Pace. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us in the iTunes store. If you just search for Keeping Up The Pace, subscribe and leave a review, that'd be great. You can also find us on Twitter, at Keep Up The Pace, and on Facebook, at Keeping Up The Pace. So we welcome our first interstate visitor today. Perth born and bred, but lives in Melbourne these days. Jacob Town, welcome aboard. Yeah, thanks Dirk. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, good to have you on, mate. I know that you're, like me, you're very keen on your NBA and NFL and AFL, so we can we can dig into what I'm calling story time, learn how you came to like those sports, talk about today's games, and then touch a little bit on your beloved Carlton Blues at the end. <laughs> yeah, beloved. That's a, that's a tough word. It's been a tough uh, love-hate relationship the last few years, but uh, yeah, happy to chat. Last few decades, eh? 95, right? Yeah. So well, I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 99, 99 prelim. Got to, got to sneak that in there. 20-year anniversary next year. Maybe you make a, make a comeback to the finals. Should get should get Jack Duffy over here for an anniversary game or something like that, right? That would be a good plan. Maybe we can um, we can sponsor it at the podcast. <laughs> but talking about the NBA, just tell us what your first memories are of watching basketball. Yeah, so great question, actually. Um, so my second cousin... Um, on my mum's side is Martin Catalini. So uh, my very first basketball memory, I guess, is actually watching him play for the Coburn Cougars in a grand final at Challenge Stadium. Um, 92, I'm pretty sure. I did my research to make sure I had the year right. So I would have been five, six years old at that stage, um, going with the family and obviously big Italian family, watching him play at the Cougars um, at the yeah, Challenge and then um, watching him kind of develop into an NBL player with the Wildcats and ongoing. So that was kind of my introduction into the basketball scene um and being that early age primary school you know really year three four five kind of eight nine ten years old basketball you know was everything with jordan space jam movie all that type of thing was kind of how i got into nba and um as jar mentioned the other day with basketball cards um i actually dug around in my garage i found my file full of the whole basketball cards so nice. um, trading those and um Obviously, wanting wanting the sneakers like all the players wear, uh, that type of thing. I, I remember I actually wanted um, Sean Kemp's Reeboks. I really wanted them um, as a young kid. So that was kind of my start or foray into uh, basketball. And I'll never forget after watching the Wildcats play in the grand final in 95. At, um, I think it was old entertainment centre back then. I was on James Crawford's shoulders and he had, the re- he had the net around his neck and I was on his shoulders in the after party um, nice. you know, as, a, as an eight-year-old kid. So... Um, basketball was pretty big um, in my family and and in my life, I guess, as a as a young one. What a legend he is, James Crawford. Oh, the big uh, number seven's my favourite number or my sporting number. So he was always my favourite player as well. And I mean, what a team back then with Ricky and Vlahov and stuff. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah, they um. I mean, the Wildcats are an amazing organisation. I think 1986. I think it's the last time they didn't make the playoffs, and they just continue to be relevant. They continue to pull 10,000-plus to the games, get written off most years, the culture, and the club is just an amazing club. I think it's, um, in Australian sport, it's probably the most underrated sporting team in Australia, I feel, for how much success, like you said, well, over 30 years without missing the finals, multiple championships, amazing culture, amazing fans, um, you know, one of the most underrated teams, I think, in Australian sport. Yeah, I agree, and um, you you probably live it every day. Being over in Melbourne, a lot of, I know it happens a lot in AFL still, but a lot of what happens in Melbourne and Sydney is the centre of the world for a lot of these sports, so maybe they forget about us over here. Yeah, it's tough to deal with the journos. Um, I know the, the Perth boys on Twitter is a, is a good laugh during AFL season, but it's definitely that, that one-eyed Eastern State support. Yeah, it's pretty frustrating at times, even if I'm not a WA footy team supporter. Um, just watching the dribble that comes out of their mouths or on their keyboards is, is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, well, journalism is probably... But don't get me wrong, I'd love to be a sports journalist and it would be a dream if I could ever get into a financial position to be one, but the general quality of especially Australian sports journalism is gutter, really. But let's let's not get caught too, yeah, too yeah, negatively in that. On the good stuff. Yeah, so moving to the NBA... Do you have a team that you support? If you do, is there a story behind why you support them? Yeah, so my dad's originally uh, born in Boston, so all his side of the family live in Boston except 
Uh, my grandparents live in Australia and his brothers and sisters. So being um, a Boston, uh, yeah, born and bred, I guess, um, all the Boston teams are who I follow. So definitely a Celtics man. Um, but I guess early years, yes, I was a Celtics fan, but I was actually a big Detroit Pistons and Orlando Magic fan as well. Um, Grant Hill was my favourite player by far. So I love the Pistons, but um, I think the Shaq attack and Penny Hardaway, Orlando Magic team around that 95-96 um, time was uh, something I really grasped onto as well. So I think early doors I kind of followed, you know, and like NBA I think is a unique sport in that way where you follow kind of players more than teams. But, yeah, yeah. Um, as, I've, uh, as I've got older, definitely just the Celtics um, as I've kind of grown through there. So yeah. the big family connection, I was luckily born into a good sporting city, so I was very lucky. Yeah, well, it could have been. Well, you could have been born into Cleveland, I guess. Although they have had, they have had minimal success with LeBron. But yeah, Boston, you've definitely, um, you've had a lot of good times there. How did you feel going into Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals last year? Obviously, the Celtics were decimated with no Irving, no Haywood, but got as deep as Game Seven. Have home court advantage. Did you think? Did you actually think you could win? Yeah, I won't lie, I did think we could win. Um, but at the same time, it's how can you go against LeBron in a Game 7 when you don't have a superstar going against him? I think where the Warriors had Durant, Curry, really as their main two, um, superstars going up against him in a Game 7, really we had Horford <laughs> and Terry, Scary Terry Brown and Tatum in a first year. So... You know, I'm not surprised that we lost that game seven, but I did think that we could pinch it, and really we had chances to pinch it as well. Um, yeah, you were 12. We missed a lot of shots. 12 so, up early as well. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was a hard game to watch, especially because I'm not the biggest LeBron uh, fan. But we'll talk about that a bit later. I think um, we can we can go yeah. straight in. We can go straight into it now if you want, because I know you were pretty keen to talk about LeBron and the Lakers. So what are you? You're not, you're not a LeBron fan, are you? No, I think it's um, it's a weird uh, thing I put in the in the notes. Um, LeBron is not someone I love, and I don't think I ever will. Um, but I think it's I think I have to make a point where I really respect him as a player and and as a human for what he's done. I mean, you look at the stuff he's done with the schools and all the charity work and scholarship stuff. I mean, that's unbelievable. Um, I don't think you could praise him anymore. Um, and my pure no love for him is purely as a basketball player yeah. where I'll always think Jordan is the best um, I guess because I grew up with him being the best and watching him compete every day or um, he, he just wanted to win and he did everything he could to do it and I just don't see that I just don't have I've never had that same love for LeBron and I don't know what it is I don't know if it's his persona his um, lack of effort recently um, maybe plays a part but it's funny I say lack of effort yet he's probably Averaging 28 points a game, I haven't checked his stats, um, so don't shoot me, everyone who's listening. But um, I think you just look at his Lakers team at the moment, and I hate the Lakers. Obviously, being a Celtics yeah, fan, I can't, yeah. you know, it's um, I, I don't want to see them win. I don't want him to be successful, but I respect what he's done as a player, and it's unbelievable his career. It's you know how many finals in a row it's been, um, the championship to Cleveland, what he's done in Miami, everything was unreal. So. As a player, ultimate respect, but I will never love him as a player. Yeah, no, I, I can I can see your point there. I'm I'm on the other side of the fence as far as I happily watch any Lakers game that's on, even though we're getting saturated already this year. To be honest, and they got a lot of, they got a lot of rubbish. Horrid games on ESPN. They got a lot of rubbish on their side on their team as well. But he's just he looks like at the moment a guy who is going to sit in second gear pretty much all season and hope that they can get a favourable playoff matchup. But he's, um, yeah, he's one of a kind. That's He's never been injured. That's the other thing. You think yeah. about, like, basketball is one of those sports that, like, ankles, knees, whatever. But he just doesn't. I mean, he's rolled his ankle on more than one occasion probably, but he tends to just deal with it. Surely with the money he's making and people he has around him. I mean, he's built a great team around him and a great family around him, surely he's doing things to keep his body healthy that we don't know of, that not saying he's doing anything illegal or under the table or anything like that, but, you know, cutting-edge stuff that we just wouldn't have a clue of what he does to get his body right as well. Yeah, well, it's Tom Brady syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And uh, I think it's, um, it's amazing that he hasn't had a freak injury, you know, where he's landed on someone's foot 
and you know torn ankle ligaments or someone you know has he shot a three and someone's landed or he's landed under someone's feet or you know something just random no one's or no one's tried to take him out either well that's yeah i mean yeah which i find strange you know you're up against the best player nearly of all time or someone will argue but why hasn't someone just tried to take him out well, it's, maybe, it's, maybe that respect level is just so high. I mean, look, a couple of years ago, the Warriors, Zaza, and no one can convince me that Pachulia didn't go out oh, deliberately 100%. to hurt Kawhi Leonard. So that series swings halfway through game one based yep. on pretty much a thug doing something that you wouldn't get away with in street basketball. And let's be honest, we don't want to see that happen. Like, no, we don't want that to happen to LeBron. Even if I don't like him, no way would I want to see that happen to any player um, out there. But it's just strange that nothing's happened like that. No... No, yeah, upstart has come along and gone, oh, I'm just going to take him out and so we can win or something. Yeah, it's strange. It is It is strange. So you, do you think they'll make the playoffs for Lakers? <sighs> that Western Conference is crazy, isn't it? Um, I was just looking at some the, the standings currently and, I mean, I had the Jazz um, to win the Western Conference and I don't, they're, on the basis of their defence and what they did at the second half of last season, they've been horrid. And they're, they've with the same record that the Lakers have now. So, and the Pelicans. And then you look at the Rockets, who are even worse. So, how can I say I have no idea? In all honesty, I have no idea. Yeah, no, that's um, probably a fair call because it is. It's so early in the season, but there's a couple of teams in particular. I mean, the Spurs. I don't think the Spurs will stay in there. That's just me personally. I don't. Well, the Kings. <laughs> I don't think the, the Grizzlies have a better record. Well, yeah, I, I don't think the Grizzlies will stay in there. But I would think the Jazz, the Pelicans, and the Lakers all definitely find a way into the playoffs. The Rockets are the ones who are a real question mark for me because it's a really strange... Obviously, basketball analytics has gone through the roof these days, but you just have to watch a game. Carmelo Anthony, for a likely Hall of Famer, there is no less effective player in the league. He's a, he's a terrible basketballer. I would rather have Dwight Howard on my team. That's a massive right call. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just staring up the crowd. But the mellow... But seriously, like, why would you? Why would the Rockets get mellow? It, they've gone from a team who were, what, one game away from beating the Warriors, really? Yeah. Um, well, a couple of games away from beating the Warriors to, what, four and six and fourth worst in the West. Um, yeah, it's crazy. But, I mean, like you said, I it's the same with the NFL. September in the NFL means nothing yeah. to me. It's that one month of preseason almost for the good teams. I mean... Patriots started off terribly, um, and now look at them. Whereas the NBA, it's very early days, a long season to go. So um, I wouldn't read too much into it early, but there's some worrying signs for some teams for sure. Yeah, definitely. It is, it's hard to believe it's only three weeks in, actually. But having said that, who do you think will make the conference finals and what do you think the NBA finals will play out as? We'll see if we get a few different answers than we've had from the first few guests. Yeah, I know. They've all stolen stole my thunder because I wrote... Uh, we have we you know pick our awards before the season started, and I had the Utah Jazz beating the Warriors in the finals, uh, purely out of hope, not really out of logic, um, because the Warriors are, are so stacked. I mean, they're ridiculous, and the way they're shooting at the moment, they're just having fun, for you know, because they can really. And like I agree with what you said the other day, they should be putting their pedal to the metal. And yeah, uh, what Clay got fourteen threes the other day by three quarter time. Well, why not go out and try and get twenty? Ridiculous. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally I agree. hate. I hate that they put the rack, the queue in the rack. It's it's frustrating as a fan because you want to see the best possible output in one game, and we're not seeing that. Um, so I had Jazz to beat Warriors, um, and then Boston to beat Toronto. Uh, but really, I can't see the Warriors losing. If I'm really honest, I can't see the Warriors losing again. If something freakish would have to happen. Um, yeah, for that team, I mean, they're they're unbelievable. Yeah, I think if Curry happened to get... I mean, he got an adductor strain today, I think. If he happened to get injured deep in the playoffs, I think they'd be in strife. I think they can cover anyone else, like Durant even. They won't have a problem covering Durant because they would just then revert to what they were before he got there. But I don't think they could cover not having Curry. But you're, you're, you're hoping, in inverted commas, you're expecting that unless there's a major injury, that they'll win it again. Yeah. Yeah, and I really had Utah there at the start of the season based on, obviously, their second half last year. But I think it was their defence. Their defence was the best um, in the league, I thought. Um, and that could really shut the Warriors down if they really improved this season. Um, but the way they've started this this year, um, 
yeah, it's been a bit disappointing for the Jazz so far. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think the Nuggets have been a real surprise packet so far, um, and they've been looked really good. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, it will be. What about MVP? Uh, I had Giannis for um, MVP. I think that guy is an absolute freak. I was tossing up between him and Anthony Davis, but I just thought this year, as much as I thought Davis will move, I don't think he'll stay at the Pelicans. Yeah. Um, especially if they keep, if they get a mid-season and they're on the verge of the eight, really. I don't see him staying there. He's too good a player to be wallowing and not making playoffs. It would be horrible if he missed playoffs. But I think um, Giannis is going to kind of take control of the team and really prove that he's the best player in the league. Um, and and even the start of this season, he's already shown that so far in the, what, 10 games they've played, 11 games, something like that. So, yeah, him, Giannis for me is MVP. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we take a little side pivot to today's game. I mean, they went to Golden State. I think most most people were probably pretty interested to see how the Bucks would go because they probably do match up pretty well with Golden State. And obviously, Draymond didn't play. And Curry did get injured, but when the game was over, but from and I haven't had the chance to watch it yet, I'll probably do so later on. That was a thrashing. Yeah, I, I only saw the score as well. I didn't see any highlights of that game, but that's a huge score. Yeah, and I think um, the one thing, the, the thing that the Bucks have had with Middleton... Brogdon, Bledsoe, these dudes, even Thon Maker when he's played well, is they've got a very versatile team, very long team, that's always been very good defensively, but they've had shit coaches. Whereas now, they have a guy who can clearly coach. He's even cutting a few... I think Giannis is playing five less minutes a game than he did last year. Yep. So just those little rotations just bring him out a little bit more often for smaller breaks. I mean, they... um. That more, seems more to me effective, right? They're exactly. More effectively. Yeah. I mean, I had um, I don't know how you pronounce his name, Button Holter. I can't remember. His That's name. him. Yeah. Um, I had him as coach of the year because I thought if the Bucks, if Giannis is MVP, then the Bucks are going to be let's say top two, top three um, team in the East. And then he's going to play a big part in making Giannis have that next step. I think he's a really good coach and perfect for that team, really. So, and they've obviously started really well, but as we know, it's a long season, so how that goes yeah it'll be interesting to see but that's a huge win today as I said I didn't see the game but saw the box score and highlights um, yeah it'll be interesting to see yeah they um, they're, they're making every post a winner through three weeks it'll be interesting as a Boston fan how you'd feel now obviously taking a few liberties because it's five months away but if you happen to not get a top two seed and for argument's sake you had Toronto and Milwaukee as the one and two seed that would be a brutal Brutal task for the Celtics even to make the finals, having to go away against both those two teams. Yeah, I guess it would depend where we where we finished to who we'd have to go through. Um, I must admit, um, it sounds arrogant to say, but I'm not scared of playing either of those teams, whereas obviously making the actual finals play the Warriors, I would be scared and expecting to lose. I don't expect to lose against those teams, but yeah. no doubt it would be hard. I mean, especially Toronto's fans and their home court... Um, are quite good, but then LeBron destroyed them. I mean, it is LeBron, of course, but they were with, they were nothing in the finals last year. Um, but with Kawhi, obviously they've, they've stepped it up this year. Um, so yes, you don't want to play um, away series as much as possible. But I'm also not scared yet of having to do that if that comes to the crunch. Yeah, that makes sense. That might, that that does make sense. What? How about rookie of the year? Yeah, Luka Doncic for me. Um, I think he started really well. Um, I was trying to get his stats, but I didn't have time to have a look at his stats, so I might try and look him up as we're talking. But um, I just think he's had experience playing with men, and I think it's different when you're coming from NCAA ball, where you're playing against, you're playing two halves, you're playing against teenagers effectively, um, and yeah, you look like a star and coming to the league and you're good. But when you've played against men in the Euro League, where it's a lot more physical different style of basketball for sure <clears throat> excuse me but um yeah i think he's my rookie of the year i think he'll be he already looks a star um and obviously he can improve for sure but because he's played with men and he just slipped right in i think for his age yeah unreal player yeah i i agree it's um funny i don't know whether it's a bit of american arrogance or just their confidence in their own players but every argument i heard against him as a draft pick was that he wasn't athletic enough he wouldn't be fast enough 
It's a bit like footy, right? If you can yep. get the ball. Sam Mitchell was never athletic or fast. And he goes down as an all-time great because he was an elite footballer. Doncic, I think, an elite basketballer who just happens not to be an elite athlete. Yeah, and I think you'd... I think they forget how much basketball smarts comes into it. Like, yeah. if you're a smart player, you don't have to be the most athletic. And someone was talking, I think it was on SEN today, they were talking about uh, if you had an athlete mounting yard, who would you dismiss straight away just by watching them walk around the mounting yard? And they brought up Tom Mitchell, Sam Mitchell, etc. Yeah. Based on their looks, um, because they don't look athletic, yet you know they get 40 possessions a game, and Sam Mitchell was an absolute freak of a player, so... You look at Doncic, I'm just having a look. What is he averaging? 16 points a game already. Um, yeah, he's been, well, nearly 20, actually. I'm yeah, sure. I've, got, I've got 20, 20 points, six 20, and a half rebounds, yeah. four assists. So. Yeah, for three first three weeks of his career, it's pretty good. So, um, yeah, he's my rookie of the year, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, that that will play out as being a really easy choice by the end of the year as well. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, Aiton's had a good start to the season as well, but I just feel... Duntich has the, and I think this is something that um, is talked about like cricket at the moment, the the runs in your legs. You know, he's not playing minutes. I mean, yes, he's minutes managed, of course, but he's played 82 games a season already um, in his career, and he's only 19. So he's used to the grind, the long season, the grind, the multiple games, back-to-back games, all that type of thing. And I think that plays a big part. Playing against men, using used to the slug, um, you know, all those type of things is is playing a big part. So again, that's why I chose him. Yeah, I I, I agree with I agree with that choice. Is there anything else NBA you want to talk about? Yeah, I guess the Celtics gave me a massive scare earlier. <laughs> actually, uh, today, fuck. <laughs> well, that that just goes to show if you ever need any convincing how mental a game sports is, Boston have obviously rocked into Phoenix. Just assuming they win. And have fallen, what, 26 points behind in the third quarter? Uh, Brad Fletcher actually sent me a message today while I was at work going, have you seen the score? And I nearly choked because I was actually really busy today and hadn't noticed and checked the score and nearly died. And I said to him, well, we were having a chat back and forth. And I think this is something um, well, we both agree, on, both agree on as well is um, Kyrie needs to be the man in that team. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. The, they, for them to be successful he has to be the man and putting up shots and dominating taking control and going this is my team i'm going to score 35 40 points a night or try to um and then everyone else is a support to my team and i think at the moment it's been a bit of spread around um trying to please everyone uh tatum's gone you know a bit flat he hasn't driven to the basket as much he's not taking threes he's trying these kobe you can see the kobe in him you know he's taking that step back jumper mid-range, um, all these type of things that just yeah, haven't worked so far. Um, and, yeah, it needs to be Kyrie's team for me. And then you saw Kyrie step up and what happened, we won. So, you know, it's, it's uh, I'm worried about Hayward because I think they're trying to, they're starting him, they're trying to play him, but um, he needs to come off the bench for mine to get more confidence, play against the secondary. Um, and, yeah, just get a bit more confidence because he just looks shot. And our team looks shot at the moment. We look a bit disarrayed. We don't know what's going on. That's how I think we should play. Give Kyrie the ball. Let him dominate. Because he's a freak. He's an unbelievable... He's my favourite player in the NBA at the moment. So, yeah, yeah, for the Celtics to be successful, that's what I'm looking for. Or we trade for Anthony Davis in January and I'll be all sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you think Stevens is a good enough coach to realise. Like, team basketball is a really good narrative. And, yay, everyone, let's just hold hands and sing Kumbaya. But... Come playoffs, particularly, you just got to give the ball to Kyrie and get out of the way. Like, yeah, and he's proven that before. Yeah, like, he's proven that when the Cavs won the championship, he was obviously he had LeBron there as well. But you know, he was massive, and um, he he loves that moment. I think that's something that some players love. Don't like the limelight or don't want that shot. He wants to take that shot. Yeah, and or be involved to help someone take that shot. Um, and you can tell he just has that in him that he he can make it himself or he'll make it happen like he, what he did with Marcus Morris to hit the three to tie the game today. So, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I think the Celtics will go as far as Kyrie takes them and it won't be through lack of his trying if they do happen to fall short. Yeah, as long as he stays injury-free, obviously he's had a big injury risk um, and been injured quite a lot in almost every season. So if he stays injury-free, 
then um, yeah, it will be much better. But if we obviously got another superstar, we traded some assets early in the or mid-year, then um, that would help us as well. So, yeah, it be interesting to see what happens. But Hayward, for me, has been, I mean, fair to it. would be hard to come back after what happened. That injury was horrific. Yeah, um, it was. Confidence, yeah. lack of confidence. You can see he's just not nowhere near it at the moment. And, um, yeah, why not try and give him some confidence, stop trying to start him and make him what he was, let him ease into it. We've got a long season ahead. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. So if you had to trade two of Tatum, Brown and Haywood, plus some draft picks and you got Anthony Davis, would you do it? It's, yeah, it's such a tough a tough question. Um, would you really want to... I think, yeah, I don't know how to answer that, actually. I don't want to trade Tatum. I think that's for sure. Uh, Brown is a bit more tradable uh, with some draft picks. Hard to trade Tate, um, Haywood after a year of a broken leg and whatever, but if he's in mid... What if he never comes back? What if he never gets his shot back from yeah, and... this type of injury? I mean, that could literally that could be an eventuality. And I mean, it's a business at the end of the day. So if he doesn't it come is, back from yeah. an injury like this, then if you have to trade him, you have to trade him. It's not worth holding on to a guy because you hope he's going to get back. But how much time do you give him? Do you give him six months? That's probably not long enough. Well, um, Isaiah. So I was going to say Isaiah was much more a Boston person and Haywood, and they were pretty happy to ship him out as soon as they could. So. Yeah, exactly. So anything can happen in the NBA. We've seen that before. So, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens the rest of the season. It will, no doubt. We'll have you on again next. We'll have some a bit more real games to base this on. I'm not looking at standings, guessing what might happen in four, five, six months. Yeah, it's such early days. It's, yeah, it's literally a guess, let's be honest. So it is. We could be here in January and talking... The Rockets back at second on the in the West or something. So yeah, mellow, mellow for MVP. <laughs> Write that down. Write that down. Yeah, no, I'm not staking whatever reputation I have on that. We might move across to the NFL now. Yeah. So do you, let us know what your first memories of watching the NFL are. Yeah, so uh, I actually remember this quite vividly. Actually, going to my um, American grandma's house um, as a young kid and watching the NFL. Um, the Super Bowl used to be on SBS, and yep. uh, I always forget the, the American guy's name. He used to do the commentary and um, all that. Who was always on the Super Bowls on SBS? But um, watching the Dallas Cowboys in the mid '90s was a big part of my life, um, or a big part of my memory of an early days NFL. It definitely wasn't the Patriots by any means. Um, I was a big Cowboys fan back then because they were just the team. You know, they were everywhere. You knew about the Dallas Cowboys even if you never watched NFL before. Um, and Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, those type of teams, they were just stacked and they were such a super team. So they're my earliest memories of watching NFL. wasn't definitely wasn't the Patriots' um, early days. Yeah. And then um, as I got older, probably late 90s, I started, you know, in a primary school, uh, playing a bit of Madden, that type of thing. And obviously a bit more of the family influence. I, you know, they were like, no, you can't be a Cowboys fan, you have to be a Patriots fan. And I'm glad I took notice because a couple of years later, then we won the Super Bowl. So, um, and then the rest is history. Yeah, well, I mean, Brady, talk a bit about Tom Brady, I guess. I'd, so I'm reasonably, I would say probably four years ago, I really started to get interested in the NFL, and now I find it. I'm probably as interested in the NFL as I am in the NBA, almost. So I found it to be yep. a real, an intriguing sport. But tell us more about Brady in a very non-biased way, as you will. Yeah, I mean, oh, for someone who came in because another guy got injured, I mean, he was back up to Bledsoe. Um, when he first came in that 2001-02 season, um, <clears throat> Bledsoe got injured, Brady comes up, and then Bledsoe got healthy and they stayed with Brady. I mean, that's a huge call in the scheme of things. They could have easily gone back to Bledsoe. Who knows, maybe he would have led the team to the Super Bowl anyway. But uh, for a guy who was taking, what, 199th pick in the draft, yeah. a backup, an injury, and then they stuck with him. Amazing foresight. Um or courage or whatever you want to call luck um, as well to take a chance on him and then for him to win that first Super Bowl and you know the dynasty 2004-2005 Super Bowls and then the last couple of years I think the only thing against him is and something I really hate is that we lost to the Giants twice um, in Super Bowl the Philly game this year um, you know but still he's made you know what eight Super Bowls won five it's an unbelievable record, and 41, and he's still going. He's still throwing 300 yards. He beat Aaron Rodgers uh, the other day. He played with no, basically, offense for the first couple of weeks of this season, and then picks up Josh Gordon off Cleveland Browns, who was 
mentally, who knows what, hadn't played, hadn't trained, nothing, and now Josh Gordon <laughs> takes a ridiculous pass and runs and wins the game for us against Green Bay on the weekend. So, you know, he just has that habit of finding a way to win and knowing you can do it. And I think that, that confidence is something you just cannot teach. He's just done it so many times. The combination of him and Belichick is just unbelievable. Um, and, you know, he really is one of the best players of all time in that sport. Yeah, I think the Josh Gordon thing's a, it's an interesting study, I guess. That's how you can see that the Patriots just demand respect because Gordon's obviously had his problems. He is outrageously talented, but the, by the sound of it, no other team were that interested in taking a punt on him, whereas the Patriots have obviously gone, we know what we've got here. If he comes in and he doesn't want to toe the line, then we lose nothing. Yep. But if he comes in and can toe the line, which he seems to be doing then Brady's no fool, right? He's going to keep, especially with Gronkowski injured and underdone. You're and he's going to got nothing all exactly. year, like absolutely nothing. So, you know, it's, it's amazing to see. I would love to be the fly on the wall to see their culture. I mean, you talk about culture, it's a word thrown around a lot, but you look at, I don't know if you watched Hard Knocks this year with the Cleveland Browns. Nah, I missed that, um, yeah. You look at a team like Cleveland who've done really nothing, the biggest, you know, just a derelict team. And then he, he walks off that team into Patriots, which are known for that culture. I just wonder what they actually do. Like, what is it that they do? Do they sit him down? Do they, do the, you know, does the whole team sit him down? Is it just Bill? Is it Tom and Bill? Like, what are they doing to, to drive that winning culture? Because that's a, what a turnaround in six weeks. Um, we started the season and we were rat shit, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and now we look not and I look I don't think we're one of the best teams in the league by any means but we'll find a way to win and no doubt we'll find a way to the AFC championship game again most likely how do they do that is that build on that culture and respect and all that type of thing you mentioned it's it's quite an amazing achievement really it is yeah I, I sit back and watch it in awe as a, as a reasonable a reasonably new convert I guess to the game it's just you can just bank in every year I mean obviously their division's very weak. So from that point of view, they do play six games against some pretty average teams every year. But yeah, his his record his record is just outstanding. So le- leading yeah, on, sorry you go. Sorry, I was just going to say there was a graphic the other night on on the TV. Um, I think it was something like the like the top five quarterbacks records against other top five quarterbacks or something like that. And he was eleven and nine, and the next best I think was Peyton. I could get this wrong, eight and seven, something like that. But yeah, he was. Um, oh, 11 and 6 I think Brady was sorry his his record against other top quarterbacks was way better than anyone else's so it's not just against yes we have a crap division but he's proven it against the, the all time greats especially against Peyton Manning as well those matchups um, through the 2000s he always had the wood over him majority of the time as well yeah so who do you think in the AFC for a start who do you think makes the playoffs well before today, geez, before today, um, I had Chiefs versus Patriots in the AFC, but the Steelers came out today and Big Ben, uh, your man Connor, and uh, Antonio Brown, didn't they put on a show against Carolina? Holy crap, what was it, 52-17, I think? Yeah, like I think so. But they, And um, Ca- Carolina scored, I mean, I only saw very briefly, Carolina scored in the first, like, within five minutes, their first drive, they scored. Yeah. And then... Yep. First pass that he had, Roethlisberger hit your man Juju for 75 yards and a touchdown. So within 10 seconds. Yeah, back on board. <laughs> but the, the one thing I will say is that that was the Steelers playing at home. And when they get to the playoffs and they play either the Chiefs or the Patriots, they're going to be the road team. And Big Ben is putrid historically on the yep. road. So I'd, um, what have they yeah. lost? I think they've lost two. And they've had a draw, so unless they found a way, this is only my thoughts. Unless they found a way to get into the top two of the conference, yeah, yeah, I, I have no fear of Pittsburgh coming to New England to come into Foxborough. No, no fear at all, because they've shown multiple times to come and they've with big raps and they've done absolutely nothing. Okay, who do you? Um, okay, so I'll word it another way then. So if we assume the Chiefs and Patriots are one and two in the AFC, who do you have the most fear about facing in? The is it the divisional round, the virtually the semi, the conference semi-finals? Yeah, um, I reckon uh, the Chargers. Yeah, to be that's that, that's my thoughts too. Yeah, I think um, I think the Chargers are very. I mean, they're sitting what six and two, I think, behind Kansas City because <clears throat> they've had the bye. Um, Philip Rivers has been 
great. My man Melvin Gordon in fantasy has been dominant. Um, I think the Chargers are very yeah. They had a slow start to the season, but have, yeah, put. I reckon that would be someone who I wouldn't want to face. I think out of the rest anyway, besides Kansas City. I mean, the, the weapons that Kansas City have is a joke. Mahomes is unbelievable. Um, and the offense is huge, but they leak a huge amount in defense. So, yeah, they do. And Joey Bosa, um, Joey Bosa's not playing for the Chargers either yet. So you only think their defense is going to get better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they'd be if I was if I was a Pats and the Chiefs, I'd be hoping I'd come out on the other side of the draw from the Chargers because they'll be a tough out. Hundred percent. Yeah. How about the NFC? Yeah, so NFC, I had Saints and Rams at the start of the season, um, and I thought Saints would go all the way. I actually had the Saints winning the whole thing this year. Um, and then they happened to win last weekend, so that was good timing. Yeah. Um, I think Drew Brees, for me, is current MVP. I think over Mahomes, even though Mahomes was for a second year, really first year player, has been unbelievable. I just think Drew Brees is, I mean, his track record is amazing. Um, and what he did against the Rams, again, was, was fantastic. What did he, I don't think he, what, he missed two passes or something. Yeah, I think game. he missed, yeah, he completed 26 or 28, I think, yeah. Yeah, something outrageous, so, um, It'd be interesting to see him if he has to play outdoors. He's always loved the indoor domes, of course. But, um, yeah, the Saints, for me, were, were my Super Bowl champions this year. Uh, but the Rams, I mean, they have huge weapons as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Does Des Bryant shift the needle at all for the Saints? Weird, weird pick-up. I mean, they've got nothing to lose, I guess, picking him up. Um, loves the end zone, loves getting a touchdown. It can't hurt to bring him in if they need you know, to throw an extra wide receiver out there to uh, get a late touchdown or some scores on the board. I mean, they, they don't have any, any trouble putting the score on the board as it is. So, yeah, I, don't, I think it's more of a security blanket if they've got an injury or something like that for me. I don't think they're going to rely on him by any means. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. I've actually, um, I have the conference championships exactly the same as you. I actually have the Super Bowl the same as you as well, so that's a bit boring, isn't it? So to, for the rec for the record, you picked the Chiefs to beat the Patriots in the AFC. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, so would that be if the Patriots found a way to get the one seed? Obviously, you'd change that. Yeah, I think Patriots at home. Um, yeah, look, if I think if they're both playing their best, I think the Chiefs are better at the moment than the yeah. Patriots. I don't think our team is. If we, if I'm truly honest, I think the Chiefs are a better team. But we've shown that we can get a win against them. So on the day, the Belichick-Brady, how can you go against it, especially as a fan? But if I'm truly honest, I think the Chiefs are a better team than us. Yeah, it'd be interesting just because they're probably just past the halfway mark of the NFL season now. And the, or the, the way they've set the defensive rules up in the NFL now, it's conducive to high scoring. You can't touch anyone. You can't touch a quarterback. So that tells me that Mahomes... Will obviously still only played ten, started ten games in his career. Unbelievable. And you would think that <clears throat> the AFC title game may be the first time that he really gets put under pressure because if they get the first round by, and the bottom end of the AFC, if it's not the Chargers, he could end up with a pretty weak divisional round come opponent, yeah. I guess. So yeah, yeah it'd be interesting. Yeah, I think the Patriots have shown over years and years, and I mean, really, the Philly Super Bowl was the only one where they had that last-minute drive that they they stuffed up um, with a fumble. But Brady, Brady with the ball in his hands with two minutes to go, and the scores are tied, or he needs a touchdown to win. You know, you'd back him every day of the week, really, even yeah. though occasionally it doesn't work out. But yeah, you'd really back him uh, offense versus offense. You're really throwing Brady against Mahomes, and yeah, it's it's just those weapons that are going to step up, I guess, and. How they're, how they're going to do it. Yeah, it should be good to watch. I think the NFL, you can probably look forward to the playoffs a lot more confidently in what you're going to see. Like those four teams we mentioned, you'd need something very unusual to happen for it not to be Patriots, Chiefs and Saint Ra- Saints Rams in the title games for me. What what made you um, jump on board with the NFL? You said you're a new fan. Well, what we, we did, obviously, we, we had the fantasy comp um, and it yep. was always on ESPN, so... I obviously been a basketball fan. You get your fix through ESPN. Um, I did work with a guy as well who's a massive NFL fan, and I got into yep. it a little bit from him. And once I watched, like I'd been a casual enough fan, I'd always known who won the Super Bowl. I knew of the really, the really good players, but the first time I found Red Zone on ESPN and recorded it and realised you could watch six hours worth 
without needing to get into the nuts and bolts of super analysing and it was all high action, I was, I was hooked straight away, to be honest. Red Zone is the best channel. I it mean, is, yeah. When you have a Monday off work and you can watch Red Zone all morning, it's unreal. Like, absolutely unreal. What a, what a, what a way to watch sport. Yeah, absolutely. I just I find the theatrics and all that in the game really enjoy. I really enjoy all that. Like the touchdown celebrations. The Americans always, everything's always the biggest. That's probably why I found myself a big fan of Drew Brees, to be honest, because he just gets on with what he has to get on with. Obviously, um, the game just is... Just a quiet achiever. Yeah, he seems that. He seems that. But from all reports, he wasn't always, and he was a bit of a hothead in his early years. But um, he just... He's just a joy to watch. Yeah. So yeah, I love the sport now. I'm um, I'm a massive. I'd regard myself as a reasonably massive NFL fan. If I could, if I had the time, I'd watch in in Red Zone immediately on a Monday. But I struggle to get through it these days because things are so busy. Yeah, I agree. I know how that feels. So who's you mentioned a couple of your favourite NFL players and Brady obviously has been a favourite. Who else do you like watching from a player point of view? definitely for me um, and I know that's cliche being another quarterback but just watching him play against us on um, on Monday it was I love players who can run in the pocket and throw off their back foot when there's no other option and hit a target I think that for me is the best play in the NFL I just love watching quarterback scramble um, off balance one foot Mahomes does this really well as well um, yeah off balance falling backwards one foot and they just hit a 35 yard pass on the sideline uh, yeah, nothing better, and I think Rogers is the best at that in the NFL. He's such a good player and so good in the pocket. Um, but I also, I'm not a wide receiver fan. I don't like watching wide receivers. I don't know why. Odell Beckham, Julio Jones is again more of a respect thing. Yeah, they're good players, but I like running, watching running backs. Um, yeah, look at Saquon Barkley. He's a freak. James White, Gurley, these type of players. I think finding that hole when you have that vision. And they do it from the quarterback's view up the field rather than the side view. And you see how much little space they have in the split-second decision they have to make it, turn on a, turn on a coin, um, split step, and then off they go. Um, I think those are my, my type of favourite players. Yeah, I think the running back, well, they've got such a short shelf life, right? Because it's such a brutal, the impact they take is, yeah. is crazy. But Barkley, to me, now again, a reasonably new NFL fan, he looks like he could be... Like the best, like everything but, he can, he can. He's he seems already matchup proof. Like even against the best defenses and the best front sevens, he just decimates these guys. Yeah, I think um, your mate uh, Connor is just as good. Uh, if I'm honest, he's what's Connor had um, the most? What ten most for uh, Pittsburgh ever? And I think today after today's game, him and Antonio Brown first combination to have ten touchdowns each in the first however many games we've had um, already. Oh, what a stat that is. So they've only played um, nine games. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and both of them have ten touchdowns or something. Uh, I can't remember the full article. I'll, I'll have to send it to you later. I'll find it again. But, um, yeah, Saquon, I remember I watch a lot of college football. I love college football. Yeah. Um, and I watched him at Penn State, and he was unreal. So no surprise he stepped straight in, and he's unreal. It just sucks that he's stuck on a, such a shit team like the Giants. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> Ain't that true? That's funny. Obviously, the culture in the NFL is once you've won a ring as a quarterback, you're going to die. That franchise, like we're probably starting to see it with Joe Flacco at Baltimore, although Lamar Jackson is looming, and Eli Manning particularly, like he was obviously very good to win those two Super Bowls, but he is just a horrible, horrible quarterback. Or has, has become a horrible quarterback. And I think that's what makes it hurt the most, that he beat us twice. Yeah, like he beat the Patriots twice at the Super Bowl. He beat Brady twice. It makes me feel sick. To be <laughs> honest. Well, you can always know that you've got five, and you might even have six after this year before Tom rides off into the sunset with his supermodel wife. What a, what a guy! What a guy! <laughs> so what we'll do, we we're looking at five games each week. So we'll review the ones that we previewed last week from last week, and we'll also yep. preview. The five that I've picked as the most interesting ones for the week coming. We would have had today's game on there. Um, probably lucky we didn't. We can talk about that one a little bit as well. So the first one that I thought would be a belter last weekend didn't really turn out like that was Baltimore and Pittsburgh. The Steelers handled them pretty easily. 
Yeah, I must admit, um, having a nine-month-old baby who's teething at the moment um, is giving me a lack of sleep and no real ability to sit down and watch eight hours of sport like I normally would. Yeah. Um, so I must admit, I haven't watched much of the games. I only watched a few games last last week, so I didn't see much of the Ravens Steelers. But yeah. um, I think I put in the stats. I did write this one down. Connor is only playing Steelers history with a thousand scrimmage yards and ten touchdowns through the first eight games. Like to do that in eight games, when Le'Veon Bell was meant to be their man, what a, what a player to just step up in his absence. Well, yeah, the, and the weird thing is that Bell was widely regarded as, if not the best, then one of the best two running backs in the league, and they just got this third-round draft pick, the Terminator, who's come in and hasn't missed a beat. Yeah, what a, and I think um, Big Ben's been um, missed in all of this as well. Like, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure um, he was going to retire, or he did retire and then changed his mind, or... I swear I heard something like that, and then he's come out and he's just been unreal. Big Ben of old, really. Um, and yeah, look at him today, he absolutely dominated. Yeah, and they go, well, they're probably, if the Bengals lose, they're now game and a half clear on top of the AFC North. The Ravens are obviously done. So I would think the Steelers pretty easily win the division now and really should make it into the second week of the playoffs at least. Yeah, I think so. So the second game was. Well, as, as billed as the game of the year, the Saints forty-five beat the Rams thirty-five. So I don't know if you got to catch any of that or not. I saw um, a bit of this on Red Zone and um, the extended highlights. Um, I mean, Drew Brees. I think this is one of the best games he's ever played, uh, to be honest. And I think um, I listen to obviously Bill Simmons and those type of NFL show. Um, I love uh, Mike Lombardi, GM Street. Yeah, he's all those excellent. Type of podcasts. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he was mentioning, you know, Rams win this, they go clear, Gurley gets a rest, freshens up for the, for the playoffs, and now they can't afford to do that because the Rams potentially could have a better record and home field advantage. So that was such a crucial game. It was almost like a mini playoff game early, and the Saints just found a way to get it done. I mean, their offense, their, the weapons they have is, yeah, just crazy. So huge, huge win in the scheme of things and really good play out come playoffs time. Yeah, I remember after week one, so Cleveland went into... No, sorry, Tampa Bay went into New Orleans and beat the Saints. I think it was 48-41. to 41, And the general feeling was that that was just the worst thing that could happen to the Saints. But since then, they've won seven straight and, yeah, they're purring. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's amazing, like... Uh... They always talk about how September is really the real preseason now because they can't use, you know, have as much pad work in the preseason practice games and training sessions. You could really tell that with the good teams, they really use those games. Had a couple of weird losses in their September, but um, now October's and November's rolled around. They're really humming. Well, that, that's a perfect segue to your Patriots to beat the Packers thirty-one seventeen. Yeah, I mean, what do we have? Cordell Patterson, or how do you say his name? A wide receiver come in and play running back because we have no one else and actually had a awesome game so uh josh gordon stepped up uh, brady was freakish uh, i actually thought aaron Rodgers played really well as he always does and we just found a way to win and really i didn't feel like we were threatened much even though it was quite close at stages especially in the second and third quarter um but yeah we just found the way to win and just got it done it was a typical patriots win at home you know just close close and then we just found a way to win and got it done and you know, the typical do your job. They just do it every week. <laughs> do your job. So you're yeah. without Rex Burkhead, Sony Michelle, Gronk, James White got injured. That's um, it's an amazing depth of talent you've got. Yeah, and then have a, what, third, fourth wide receiver come in and play running back um, and do really well. It's, it's amazing how they do it. It's, it's, it really is amazing how they can coach their team to be able to just find a way to win. Um. Yeah, well, I mean, what else can you say? No, there'll be plenty more said about the Pats, so we'll leave it at that. (laughs) The next game was the Redskins hosted the Falcons. Now, I got this one terribly wrong, and I think JT might have as well. I thought Washington would win. I thought they'd close the Falcons down. But Atlanta won 38-14, to and as you wrote in the notes, they've now won four in a row. Yeah, I think um, Falcons, for me, are really hitting their stride and a real smoky playoff chance. Um, I mean, we know how much weapons they've had and their previous history from 12 months ago in the Super Bowl against us. Sucked in that they lost. Um, but now Julio Jones finally has a touchdown. Ridiculous eight weeks into the season. Um, but four in a row. And to beat the Redskins, I was actually on the same page as you guys. I actually thought the Redskins would get it done. And no, no, Falcons look great. 
No, I think if they if they win this weekend, the Falcons, they could be either in the last wild card spot in the NFC, or no, they'll still be a game out of it. But the NFC North with the Bears, the Vikings, and the Packers, they're all going to play each other down the stretch. So if the Falcons keep winning. They could be a sneaky chance. Could have three playoff teams for the NFC South, really. Yeah, unbelievable. The last game we looked at, also got the result wrong, was the Seahawks and the Chargers. I thought Seattle were in pretty good form coming home, but the Chargers jumped them early and controlled the game, really. Won pretty comfortably. Seahawks have to be the most, or for me, the strangest team in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I could not. There was no way I would put my money on them week to week um, because they really are a good team and they really lose crap games it's 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 very strange yeah Will, Wilson's almost become an afterthought like he I don't know whether they're conserving him whether he's not got the ability to throw it 30 35 times anymore whether they don't want him to but they seem to be just run yeah, he run looks like, he looks injured or like he's holding back he looks like he's holding back or something that's what I feel he's not as athletic as he was he's not running as much as he was he's, or seemingly anyway perhaps he's stat wise but um, yeah strange very strange yeah it wouldn't surprise you we'll, we'll head into week 10 in a minute it wouldn't surprise you at all if they won this week just because that's how they are yeah exactly so go yeah, going into the week ahead, the first game I thought we'd have a quick look at is the Patriots at the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, so I think we'll have a big win this week, actually. I think Titans, yes, they'll come away with some confidence. I don't think Dallas had lost at home this year, and I think that was the first one they'd lost at home uh, to the Titans Monday. Um, but I don't see the Titans beating us. Mariota probably had his best game of the year, but Titans don't really uh, phase me. But it is Vrabel the old guy, uh, the old coach of ours up against Bill and um, you know, Detroit handed us a loss with one of our old coaches who I never thought we'd lose to so anything would happen but uh, yeah, for me I think it'll be a big win this this week I think this strikes me as a game where if you were going to make an argument for the Titans you'd spend an hour trying to find an angle but when you come back to it and look at it the Patriots are just Patriots are just better they'll just win so so hashtag analysis there the, second, the next game we'll preview is New Orleans travel to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals without AJ Green. Yeah, I mean, a bit of a danger game for the Saints. Um, Bengals haven't been too bad this year, actually. Uh, but really, after beating the Rams, if they lost to the Bengals, that win last week is one of those wins for nothing, isn't it? Um, yeah, agree. You, you really have to back up a, a win against what was the best team in the NFL with another win, and they should get this done, especially without AJ Green for the Bengals. So, yeah, Saints for mine. But, yeah, um, yeah a bit of a danger game at the same time. You figure the Bengals could be, no one's been able to stop the Saints. I mean, when the Saints haven't scored huge scores, it's been because they don't have to. So, you'd figure the Bengals probably need to score close to 35 points to win, and I don't know if they can do that. So, I think yep. the Saints win pretty easily as well. Now, the next game, it's not a troll. Buffalo at the New York Jets. My God, I can't believe you put this on the list. Well, is... I'm, I'm intrigued to be honest because if you look at you look at all the stats, all the analytics. Um, well, Sam Darnold probably won't play now. Looks like he's got a foot hot spot. So Josh McCown will quarterback the Jets, but the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I understand Colin Kaepernick for political reasons or whatever. He will never play in the NFL again. There must be dudes somewhere. Who are better than this Nathan Peterman? I don't understand. It's such a shame Kaepernick isn't going to play because he could come back in and, I mean, he was a pretty good quarterback absolutely um, for the Niners. So it's it's a shame. It really is a shame um, with the bullshit that goes on, on over there. Um, I actually wrote that when I was looking at this game, I said, um, can they play with no quarterback for both teams <laughs> yeah. and just have running backs and wide receivers just, yeah, almost like rugby style, just... Um, lateraling it to each other or something. Just don't even bother putting the quarterbacks in because it's just turnover. This game is who can make the least turnovers will win, let's be honest. Well, I think neither of them will win. So I think Peterman's thrown one one touchdown, eight interceptions in three and a half games. I don't think he throws a touchdown. I think the Bills will get two pick sixes and the Jets will score two touchdowns. They'll have a field goal each. It'll be 17 each. And the Bills will score them both off defensive touchdowns. So there you go. There you go. I was going to say, you should just get both quarterbacks out on the 
you know, the end zone and who could throw the furthest wins the game or something like that. Did you hear the... I don't know if you've heard um, Robert Mays and Kevin Clark, the ringer, this week when they were talking about how many extra players the Bills would need to have on the field... Yeah, to, I did actually. To, yeah, beat, to beat the Rams, which I thought <laughs> yeah. was um, that, that, that what was it fourteen, fourteen to eleven or something. Yeah, like that, I think they said. the fact yeah. that they even spend thirty seconds discussing that on a professional <laughs> podcast tells you all you need to know about the Bills. Yeah. Oh, classic. So the next game we head. Oh, I was going to say we head to St Louis, but we head to LA. The Rams will host the Seahawks. Yeah, I think um, as we mentioned, the Seahawks wouldn't be able to tell you. How, who's going to turn up this week for them um, but I think the Rams have bounced back for me um, their offence and defence for the Rams are just so good and uh, yeah Rams to get it done for me yeah I think this is probably similar to the Pats and the Titans you could look for a bunch of different reasons to dissect this game or ways to dissect the game I guess but the Rams were virtually flawless through eight weeks so you think they get back on track Yeah. and the absolutely. last game which is critical a critical game and it could actually be the one that well the loser is no longer in contention because the AFC South they'll probably drop to the bottom of the ladder yeah very tight very tight down there it is the Jags and the Colts yeah well I think what if let's say the Titans lose the Patriots and either of those teams win then they're really behind Houston in that league in that for a wild card uh, berth so um, for me yeah, it's tough. It's Bortles, right? I've got him in fantasy as my second QB, third QB, whatever you want to call it. And he kills me because one week he'll score 30, next week he'll score three, and he just does my head in. Um, it's like a schizophrenic NFL player. <laughs> and then Andrew Luck has been unbelievable. Um, you know, he looks back to his best, really, but lacks a bit of support. So, yeah, I think Jags, to get this one done, I think they really need the win, and I think they're a better team overall. That's the only reason I've really chosen them. I think Luck has been much better. But I think overall, the Jags are a better team. So, yeah, Jags for me. Yeah, well, the Jags, so the Jags are coming off their bye. Fournette's obviously missed a lot of time with a hamstring. They look like they're going to put him back into the mix this weekend, so it'll be really interesting. It just strikes me that he's not going to be fit all season. So Yeah, yeah. and I mean, he's a huge loss. Last year, he was an absolute freak. So they've really missed him this year. Uh, big, big hole for them. Absolutely. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on NFL-wise? No, I think we've covered it all. I just, uh, yeah, be good to see the Patriots win another Super Bowl, but just don't think so this year. No, you've got to have hope. If you've got Tom, you're always a chance. That's right. So we'll move to a bit closer to home and talk a bit of AFL to round things out. So as we said at the start, you are a long-suffering Carlton fan. Yep. Do you want to talk about what you liked in 2018, what you're looking forward to in 2019 for the Blues? What did I like in 2018? Um, I did actually like a couple of things. I think Paddy Dow was a real um, winner this year for me. I think we finally got a high draft pick that showed a lot. And you talk about the mounting yard and watching an athlete run around. I wouldn't have picked him to be as someone as such a hard nut at the footy and actually has quite a bit of toe and a good ball user. So I actually saw a lot with Paddy Dow that actually excited me and thought, wow, he could slip into the midfield in a couple of years. Um, you know, really help out Cripps and the like. Um, not much else, really. I mean, Paddy Cripps was unbelievable, definitely <laughs> doing it alone in that midfield. So not too much that I liked about 2018, I must admit. A bit hard when you come, you know, balls deep last in the ladder. So, yeah, that's um, fair enough as well. You know, what, what can you do? But 2019, I mean, getting Sam Doherty back, huge. He was, you know... Uh, unbelievable player a year ago for a team that was, wasn't was performing very well but he really was a general down our back and defensive half and a lot of people were saying oh he'll go in the midfield where I want him to stay back I want him to stay in defence I mean him and Cripps are both co-captains let Cripps dominate the midfield and lead from the middle and I'll let um, Doherty go back and help out old man Simpson in the back line I mean he has great ball use of that half back he showed that he could get 30 touches you know be really effective for that ball use and really look after the kids back there as well. So that's how I kind of see it playing out or how I'd like to see it playing out. And, I mean, the big forwards, I think the big three forwards um, could work now that we've got this 6-6-6 six, six, and six at the centre bounces. I think that actually favours us because they can't, they've got these big three boys up in the Ford 50 that have to be up there. Uh, so quick kick out of the centre, we've got three big targets now that to, to take a clunker. So... 
Um, be interesting. This I think Harry Mackay, McKay, however you say his name, will be a really interesting one to see how he comes along. I think Kerno will be really good. Yeah. Um, but I think Mackay, it's it's you know make or break this season. He's been in the system a couple of years now. He's put on a bit of size. It's time for him to really step up and show something uh, for me. Yeah, I mean the games that McKay or Mackay played well in last year, he was just incredible. Like every time he got near the ball. He looked so settled, and he marked it pretty much wherever it was. He marked it one grab. Kerno's obviously, I mean, Kerno's career arc is headed upwards at a rate of knots. I don't know about McGovern. I'm, I've got to say... Interesting to see where they play him. I'm not sure they'll play him up forward. I have a feeling they're going to play him down back. Well, I mean, to be Tony. honest, play him as a centre-half back, I think that might have, might actually make sense. Like He could be... Well, look at his brother. I mean, I'm not saying, yeah, exactly. he's, as good, not saying he's as good as his brother, but you think that... He would read the game pretty well. He's definitely got the talent, the athletic talent to be good, but I'd um, yeah, I'm not too sure. You did mention um, Settlefield from GWS in your notes. He, yeah, he, I'm not. Sorry, go. No, you go. I was gonna say he could definitely. I mean, he's a, another example of a highly rated youngster who's just struggled with injury so much. He's definitely gonna get an opportunity to play at Carlton. Yeah. Hundred percent, and we actually wanted to draft him a couple of years ago, and we missed out. So we've wanted him for a long time, and now we finally got him. Again, one of those if he stays injury free, then he could be anything really. Um, and I'm really actually happy with our draft period as a whole, except for for solo. Um, oh, I nearly cried. Like I actually nearly cried. I was so emotional. I just I don't. don't, I, don't look, I, I don't get it. I don't take a chance on the kid. No problem, right? But one year. Give him a one year contract. Why are you giving him a three year contract? That's something I just don't understand. What is he, 26? Um, I think he might be older than that, actually. So if he retired tomorrow, he would go down as a guy who you wouldn't even like have. I don't even know how he'd rate his career. Like, Yeah, 26 years, yeah. I, I mean, talent, has talent for days, can obviously kick, kick goals. He's proven he could kick 40 goals a year, no doubt. But if he's for a three year contract, he has to kick at least 30 for mine. Um, and will he do that after he's had a year off in the VFL with mental health issues and all that other stuff going on? Not sure. Um, Mitch McGovern coming in, as we've talked about, will be great. Setterfield, if he's injury-free, potentially could be something. But Nick Newman is someone who I was actually really happy we got, and we got him for nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, to put him down half-back, again, finds the footy, gets a lot of hands on the footy, and can kick a footy as well. So I think that's really important to help out the kids. Got a bit of experience, level head. Um, obviously couldn't get uh, the Swans halfbacks are, uh, are freaks are really good so he couldn't get a look in um, so I think he'll be able to you know help us down back as well so a lot of more positive I feel a lot more positive than 12 months ago for sure um, I won't feel as positive if we don't take Sam Walsh as number one pick because we need that midfielder and everyone rates him so highly yeah um, I don't we don't need another tall we don't need a trade down to get potentially someone else um yeah, I want to take Sam Walsh as number one pick. That's what I want. So let's get it done. Yeah, surely this all this talk about them potentially trading number one pick is just media crap because you, you couldn't, could you? Unless Gold Coast give you what two and three for one, which I don't see happening. No, nah, um, I'll do I'll do that. That's probably the only yeah. That's, that, I would do that as well, but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't see it happening either. So so what's a pass yeah. mark in twenty nineteen? I think we have to win seven games. Yeah, okay. Seven, that's seven fair. or eight. That's um, fair. Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm looking. We need improvement. We need a. We need to see some wins. We need to see some Ws on the board. And um, yeah, I mean, although our draw is harder than Richmond, go figure. Um, we should be able to get those seven or eight wins. So let's see. How, let's see how we go. I think old mate Brendan Bolton probably needs to win seven games as well. Yeah, I think so too. I think. Um, yeah, head on the chopping block. If we're at, you know, if we're at the buyer, we find two games. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I don't think we'll be there much longer. Yeah, I find the fascination and the argument for a coach's skill being that he was at a successful club a really interesting one. Like, if you've proven, like Adam Simpson has, you've proven, hey, I was at a successful club and I can also do it myself, that's one thing. But the argument that Bolton is from the Hawthorne stable, so he must be good, I don't really get that. I think, um, especially with our, 
our club was built on a lot of history and you know a lot of cheating <laughs> if we're honest <laughs> but we were a club everyone hated because we were so good and we were you know we were hard and we did anything to win you know we were a club that literally did everything to win yeah and that was the mindset and now there is no oh it's carlton we're playing carlton this week there's no aura about us at all that's totally gone and i think he's a bit too soft to lead that i think we need a bit more hardness coming into the club and, and leading that club not kind of the cuddle each other and let's be okay and be friends and all this will be fine let's put a bit of hardness into the system and go you know, we actually want to win. And you look at Collingwood this year, they had a lot of players like Taylor Adams who were hard at the footy, did everything they could to win and, you know, it got them to a grand final. And I think we really miss that. We really need that hard hardness to us to really get somewhere, um, you know, if we're going to improve. Yeah, I mean, Cripps could be harder, right? He just floats around, that dude. <laughs> he is... Try to stop at him. He is, I mean, I'm, I'm a mad Keen Eagles fan and have been... For the duration, but I actually can't remember any player I've ever watched that I enjoy watching more than Cripps. I remember the Swans game. It was just before you buy, I think. And he was clearly injured to the point where he looked like he was going to do some serious damage to himself staying out there, but he just refused, refused to quit. Kept going to the point that he was, yeah, limping around. But he's an amazing, he's an amazing player. You watch him live. Um, I mean, I go to the, the home games the majority of the time, and you watch him live, and he, you, you, you have rarely seen a player will himself to a contest as much as him. Yeah. Um, ben Cousins used to do it when I go watch games in Perth. You know, he'd spew on the side of the field and then keep running and spew again and keep going and you know, run all day. But Cripps, yeah, like you said, he just he looks like he's got a broken leg and he's still out there running around and willing himself to that contest because he wants to win. You can just see he's a bloke who will just never give up. And I'm so glad he's got the captaincy because you saw when he took over from Murphy midway through the year, just his leadership, you could tell he was leading from the front. And that's what we need. Yeah, well, I mean, you wouldn't follow Mark Murphy into the next room, would you? But Cripps could lead like into anything. You'd follow his missus, but not him. <laughs> well, Jacob, it's been... Is there anything else, AFL, you wanted to talk about? No, I think no. that's. Yeah, I think it's. Let's just wait for the draft now. It's uh, a couple of weeks off, so um, yeah, let's just get ready for us to take Sam Walsh to pick one. I think. Yeah, well, Sandy will surely prevail. Listen, mate, it's been great to have you on. We'll organise to have you on again in a month or so's time. We can revisit some of these things. We'll be closer to NFL playoff time, but yeah, appreciate you taking the time to come on. No, I really appreciate having me on, mate, and uh, it's been a pleasure as always. All right, thanks, mate, and to all you listeners out there, that's it for this week's show. Remember, you can find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, leave a review, ask a question on Twitter, or give us a comment at Keep Up The Pace, or on Facebook at Keeping Up The Pace. That's all for this week. See you later.